Hi, I'm your host, Bella Page, and welcome to the Post-Concussion Podcast, all about life after experiencing a concussion. Help us make the invisible injury become visible. The Post-Concussion Podcast is strictly an information podcast about concussions and post-concussion syndrome. It does not provide nor substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are simply intended to spark discussion about concussions and post-concussion syndrome. Welcome to today's episode of the Post-Concussion Podcast with myself, Bella Page, and today's guests, Rich and Karina Alvild. Rich found himself four years ago recovering both physically and mentally from a concussion that resulted from a serious car accident. It was a new reality, one that he had never faced before and his road to recovery was an uncertain one. What significantly helped him along the way was sharing his struggles with others and listening to their own stories of how they faced the same reality and succeeded in their recovery. Today, both Rich and his wife, Karina, are joining us. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So to start, Rich, do you want to tell us about your injury and what happened? It all happened in April 2017. I was driving on the highway between an an area called Kelowna and Merritt on a Friday afternoon coming back from a business trip. I hit black ice doing about 120 kilometers an hour and immediately spun around and went off the highway. And at that time, there was a, one of those big slushy snowbanks on the side of the road. I went through that, and that's pretty much all I remember. That's my last memory until I was sitting in the front seat of my truck. The truck was upright, and all I could really be confused by was that it was snowing, and the snow was landing on me, but yet I was sitting inside my truck, and that was because the back window of my truck had been blown out, and I was at an angle facing down, so the snow was coming in. And I made an assumption up until that point in time that I just slid off the highway. But it wasn't until some people had stopped to help me. And one of them told me that they could see the point where I went through that snowbank. And they could see where I first touched down. And it was quite a ways away. And then I did barrel rolls and flips and everything. And I assumed that I was knocked out at that point in time because I don't remember any of that. Except just, again, the next memory was sitting behind my steering wheel in the driver's seat. We kind of looked at the vehicle and did realize how much damage had been done and how serious the accident was. And then they were helpful in getting me sort of positioned to the point where I could get to a hospital and get some help. And that's what they did. They actually, one of the couples drove me because I was in between cell service and in between a period of time where it probably would have taken longer for an ambulance to get to me. And one of the passerbyers stopped, took me to the hospital. And that's where Karina was informed that I had been in that accident. And did you get diagnosed with a concussion when you went to the hospital? That's what they figured. They did some x-rays to make sure there wasn't anything broken. I did have a cracked rib. But other than that, there wasn't any major broken bones or injuries. So they told me that there was a good chance that I had concussion. But they wanted me. So this was, again, Friday afternoon. And I got into my family doctors on Monday. And she's the one that confirmed that I had a concussion. And what did you both expect once you knew that you had a concussion. Did you have any idea what was about to change in your life? 
there was a lot that we didn't know. We had talked about concussions in the past, and all I really knew was that you need to rest and stay off technology, and eventually you'll get better. So we needed to do a lot of educating to find out exactly what we should be doing to help him. I had hoped that he would be you know, better in a couple of weeks. It turned out to be like nine months, so that it was all a bit of a shock learning about the recovery process from a concussion. I thought that I would recover in a short period of time, that I'd be back to work in a couple of weeks. That's what I truly thought. I was banged up pretty good. I had whiplash. I was in a lot of pain. And I don't remember much of the first week. I don't think I did much of anything. I don't have much of recall of any memories that first week, except being in a lot of pain. I just assume like any car accident, you'll get over that and pain will go away and then I can resume my normal life. That's what I thought I had to get through was just the injuries, the bodily injuries. I didn't realize how bad my concussion actually was. Yeah, it's really common. A lot of people, especially if you've had concussions before, like I had had a few that in two weeks, I didn't even think about it after the day of the concussion. Like you have a headache for a few days and then life carried on. And then there's those situations where that's just not what happens. And you don't expect that even when you leave the doctor. They don't really warn you of anything like that, I find. It's kind of missing when you go to the ER that you might not be recovered in a week or two. But something we mentioned when we talked before was you feel alone, especially as a survivor. But as a spouse, I am sure it felt really similar because I know my siblings had a hard time and my parents feeling helpless because you want to help but you don't know how to. So how did that feel for both of you with that loneliness and then inability to fix what was wrong? You said exactly how I was feeling. And that is, yeah, it is lonely. And as a mom, you take care of your children. And now all of a sudden you're thrown into a role where you're taking care of your spouse, but it's not like recovering from just a flu or anything. You don't know how long this is going to last Every day is a little different. Some days, Rich, he'd wake up and he'd say, no, you know what? I'm feeling okay today. And so you would think, oh, finally, the day is here. He's on a good path of recovery and he's going to get better. And then the next day would be worse. So you learn to be really patient and understanding and take one day at a time. It was a lonely process because I didn't know anyone else who had had a spouse who had had a concussion. So, and The general public doesn't know a lot about concussions either, except for the odd thing that they see on the news. And usually that's more related to children in sports and that they just need to sit at home and in a quiet place and recover for a couple of weeks. Well, this was entirely different. We had family members, of course, who would phone all the time and friends, how's Rich doing? How's Rich doing? And there really wasn't a whole lot of information that I could give them other than, well, he's resting and we're hoping that he's getting better. And they really didn't have any information that they could give to me either because I really relied on the information that Rich would get through his doctor's visits and researching things online. Sometimes the stuff you would find online would be worse and you would regret even doing that search. And I think I learned that every concussion is different. They're all different. And no one recovers the same way as someone else. So for me, it was just a lot of hope and wishing that what we were doing was right and we were on the right track in his recovery. And I think for the most part, I put myself into super mom mode and continued 
on with my career and taking care of my kids and taking care of him and keeping myself busy because I really didn't want to allow myself to worry too much or feel those feelings of loneliness. I didn't want those to overtake me. I just wanted to stay positive and kind of plow through it as long as I could. That's really great. I love the super mom thing because that's what I call my mom after <laughs> helping me with everything. I always call her super mom. And the sports and kids, it's something we talk about a lot here is that all of mine were sport related, but the news focuses on sports and we really miss everything else, that it's car accidents, slips and falls in the house. It can be really anything at any time in any place. And we're bad for focusing on only one aspect of concussions and not every other aspect. So speaking of hospital visits and doctor visits, what did you find helped Rich in your recovery? What did you try? What did you find worked? With my family doctor, I was a little bit surprised. She's a general practitioner, so I can't expect her to know everything. But I was a little bit surprised that after a few months of going to see her, because the prescription was, is to go home and don't do anything. Rest your brain, rest your body, rest your brain. Don't watch TV, don't read, don't go on any devices or anything like that, because you don't want to do anything to stimulate your brain. So what I did is I did very little. I sit on the couch and stare at the wall for long periods of time. I would go outside and I would try to keep myself relatively busy. And what I would do, I called it mindless activity. So it wasn't anything that took a lot of thought. It could be raking up leaves or cutting the lawn or something that didn't take a whole lot of energy or thought. But after going two or three months of having the same advice, go home and don't do anything, I wasn't feeling that that was helpful. I wasn't getting any better. My symptoms were the same. My bodily pain had gone away. My bruising had gone away. But I felt that I was at a bit of a loss because we just weren't seeing anything that was becoming helpful. So therefore, we had to do a little bit of our own research. And we found a vestibular therapist, which I never knew what that meant or who that was before. I was dizzy. My eyesight was bad. I walked like I was drunk. My balance was way off. I couldn't focus. The room seemed to be moving and spinning and life was moving faster than what my brain could process. So just learning about what a vestibular therapist can do and then going through the process of being tested and giving exercises, mental exercises to go through and to realize once the testing is done, realizing how bad I actually was because we didn't really have any form of testing at that point in time. That was probably the first test that I did is going through the vestibular therapist and then his results setting me down going, okay, this is what's happened to you. And this is where you are right now. And this is what we need to do to get you better. And other than that, it was, you know, sit at home for 30 days. So having that and doing those exercises and getting to the point where I was getting better. There's so many times that we would try to go out, for example, go grocery shopping. And you think that's simple enough, but I would walk into a grocery store and I would almost immediately get dizzy because you've got so many different shapes and sizes and colors and my brain just couldn't process it. So there was many times where I would have to turn around and go sit outside and then Karina would go in and finish it because I just couldn't, my brain wasn't processing fast enough. Understanding that, like when the vestibular therapist said, this is what's happening to you and this is how we're going to do these exercises and get you better. And so knowing, you know, when I went into that store, when I was dizzy, it wasn't new to me at that point in time. I knew what was happening. So it wasn't alarming. It was okay. I'm getting dizzy. I'm going to sit this one out. Doesn't mean I'm not going to try again. 
but right now it's not going to work for me. And then we just kept trying through the exercises that I was doing. It got better to the point where I could make my way through a grocery store or clothing store or whatever, even a home hardware or a Home Depot or something like that. I could not do that before. As I got better, I could. But I think the biggest part was just understanding what was going on. Yeah, it can be scary at first because you don't know what's going on. But I'm really glad that you realized that you need to get more help because it's a really common problem that a lot of, like you said, general practitioners, they have to know so much. So they don't know a lot about concussions most of the time. They know the basics, but they're not going to do the rehab and the therapy that you need to get better. It's just not the way it works. And I get the grocery store thing. I actually try to go, we still have like shopping friendly hours at most of the grocery stores where I'm from. And if you go, the lights are dimmer. They turn off all of the beeping of all the machines at the checkout. And then they turn the music off and it's like brain friendly shopping. And it is wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> I still go, even though I don't need it anymore because it's just nicer. But It's really important to learn what you can do and then also keep trying. That part is so important to not just give up and let it kind of take over because a lot of us do. And then it becomes harder and harder to get better if you completely stop trying everything. But you can learn more about Rich and his podcast, Welcome to My World Podcast, by clicking the link in the episode description. But with that, we're going to take a break. Therospecs are therapeutic blue light glasses for people with brain injuries, post-concussion headache, and photophobia. They filter up to 25 times more of the light that causes pain and other symptoms, making them more effective than typical blue light glasses. So if fluorescence, screens, or sunlight feel too bright or trigger your symptoms, try Therospecs risk-free for 60 days and see if you can find the protection and relief you need. Visit therospecs.com bella and use code BELLA15 for $15 off your order. Welcome back to the Post-Concussion Podcast with myself, Belle Page, and today's guest, Rich and Karina Alvild. So to ask you about family, because that's what these episodes are about, is how did your family dynamic change? I know Rich was unable to work, so how did that feel and go for all of you? Between Karina and Brayden and Heidi, they became my caregivers. Mm-hmm. They were there for me every single day, checking in to make sure I was doing okay. If there's anything that I needed, I had an amazing support group when it came to that. And to this day, our kids don't live with us anymore, but they still call and check in or they'll send me a text to make sure I'm doing okay. And that was comforting for me to have that support. I was off for quite a while. I wasn't the breadwinner anymore. I wasn't working. Financially, we were okay because, I mean, I worked for a really good company, so that was fine. But emotionally, not being able to go to work, not feeling part of the family in that way and doing my role as a father and a contributor, that weighed on me for quite a bit. I really kind of felt bad and guilty because, again, I wasn't contributing. The good part is, is that I still had creating the kids there for me. So that was the saving grace. Yeah, I think Braden, Heidi, and I, we became this little unit that we checked in on each other too. And a lot of our decisions as a family were made first by the three of us. And we talked those out first to decide whether it would be good for dad or not. 
whatever it was that we were going to do. And we all would do regular temperature checks on how Rich was feeling because we did go through some times where his patience was limited and you'd have changes just in the way you were dealing with each day and you'd be agitated some days and some days you weren't. So, I mean, we've always been a very close family and our kids have been very close with us, but I think myself and Braden and Heidi became this, just this special little unit and we knew how to operate and how to kind of make our way through each day and decide as a group what was best for Rich with the decisions that we would make with just daily life things trips going out and things like that. For sure. I really like that. I know my siblings probably talked about me every day (laughs) and so did my parents. And I was the common topic of conversation because that's just how it worked. And it's really important to have that family support because they made a huge difference in my life as they did yours. And it makes a big difference rather than feeling like you have to figure this all out on your own and knowing that they still love you and they're still there for you and they care for you while you're trying to navigate this injury that you don't really know what it's doing to you. And emotional control is a really common thing with concussions. I had a lot of anger issues with mine and I would lash out a lot. And I was definitely really hard on my mom. And I'm very lucky that she was a super mom, as I like to say. And Is there anything that you guys really wish people could know about concussions in general? We learned so much from it. We did a lot of our own research because we just weren't feeling that we were getting the help. One thing that I would encourage people to do is to try to understand what it is that you're going through. Even you just recently talked about anger. It took me a while to figure out why that was happening and learning about what my brain was doing and the challenges that it was having. And every time we would learn something new, we would share it amongst ourselves so that I was picking up on cues of when I felt anger coming on and I would express that. So rather than just shocking everybody with just angry outburst, I would say, okay, here's what I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling a little bit agitated. I feel like I could probably get angry. So I'm going to step away. I'm going to step out of the room and I'm going to go calm down and we'll come back to it. But luckily for me, because I was on a business trip at the time, I got a really good support from a program in, here in BC called Hyatt's, and that's Head Injury and Treatment Systems. And the biggest thing that I think was a turning point for me is when I went through that program, they did an assessment on me, which at that point in time, I'd never been fully assessed. They had neuropsychologists that did an assessment on me. They had therapists, they had counselors, physiotherapists. And I went through about four days, four or five days of testing. And it confirmed what it was that where my brain was struggling, which helped me understand that. But more importantly, they said those nice words that we had never heard up to that point is that you're going to get better. Nobody had told me. And this was seven months after my accident. So at that point in time, we had never heard those words. You would hope that someday that that was going to happen. But when they said you're going to get better and they explained to me, this is what's happening. This is why your brain is doing this. and we know what it is, what's causing it. We're going to work through that and we're going to put together some exercises, whether it be physical exercises or cognitive exercises. And over time, you're going to get better. I came home, I told Karina that, and that was the changing point in my recovery because 
We had never heard that, that ray of hope that we'd always been waiting for. Yeah, it was a huge turning point for the whole family because just to know that, okay, things really are going to start to get better. And then I think it really changed our whole focus and our purpose. And we became much more positive as a family too, because we knew that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. So for me, I would want people to know that things will get better and don't give up, especially at the spouse. Yes, it's important at the beginning, they do need a lot of rest, but still be proactive, go to the appointments with your spouse, ask as many questions as you can, search the internet for podcasts like the one you're listening to right now that will lead you to other people that you can get information from as well. So be proactive, be patient, and know that things will be better than the day you're living that particular day. It just takes time. For sure. And I think it's so important that Knowing that things can get better is really important because there's lots of moments where when going through this, you don't feel like you will, especially when some survivors, you know, it's something you don't deal with for months. It's something you deal with for years. And sometimes it feels like you're not making any progress. But if you look back, you have made a mountain of progress and it's important for that hope piece. And it is also important being a partner of a survivor is a whole nother Thing in itself. Do you have any other advice for partners who are in the same situation? Be patient and understanding. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, those are good ones. Don't give up on us. Be patient yeah. and understanding and know it's okay to walk out of the room and be frustrated and it's okay to go and feel mad and have the, all those emotions. It's important to work through those ones too. So don't feel guilty if that's the way you're feeling. Like there were many moments where I just wanted Rich to be better and I was frustrated with what was going on and I just wanted to be a normal family again and I felt like my patients were running out too and you start to just to feel bad and feel pity a little bit and so it's important that when if you do as a spouse feel like that walk away for a bit go do something little to take your mind off it, something that makes you feel happy, that makes you relax, whether it's going to Starbucks on your own for a coffee or whatever, going for a walk, Mm -hmm. just to kind of regroup. And then knowing that the next day will be better. And you'll be able to cope a little bit better the next day. But take those cues from your own body too, and go and have that time that you need because it's important for your own mental health too, especially when the recovery process can take a year, two years, three years, you don't know. So your own mental health is important as well. It definitely is. And I really like the not feeling guilty for feeling emotional because it is emotional. There's so many emotions that run through when going through this and it's very important to accept them and then work through them rather than shove them all down into a bottle, which is very easy to do, but not in the long term. So is there anything else you guys would like to add before ending today's episode? Well, what I'd like to suggest is I had headaches every day for about a year and a half. And when I was in Hyatt's, I mean, I got to talk to a lot of people. We weren't all at the same stages or we didn't have all the same severity of concussions, but I got to talk to some other people who were in the program. I was there for six weeks. 
So there's probably about 12 people. So we would talk at the breaks or we'd get together for, you know, in the lunchroom or so. And then even we had a quiet room that we'd go into if our brains were struggling a little bit. That taught me to talk about what I'm experiencing, what I'm feeling. And one day I happened to be talking to a friend of mine who's in the same business that I'm in. And I was talking to him about my headaches. And he suggested that I go see a chiropractor. And at that point in time, hadn't even occurred to me. It was dealing with my headaches. I knew that was concussion related. I knew it was from my accident. I was medicating throughout the day. I was going in between headaches and out of headaches, depending on how I was medicating. And he went and he suggested a chiropractor that actually has history with dealing with people that have concussions. He deals with a lot of NHL players. So I made an appointment. I went to him, told him about the whole thing, what happened to me. About three weeks, I was seeing him twice a week or probably every about two days. So sometimes it's twice a week, sometimes it's three. And within three weeks, I didn't have headaches anymore. That was sort of a byproduct of just sharing a conversation with somebody. And had I not had that conversation, I probably still would be chasing my headaches with medication. But I don't have to now because I don't get them anymore. But I also know what triggers them if I do get one. And it's maybe I'm spending too much time behind my computer or maybe I'm in a really bright room. But I am aware of when I start to feel them and I know what to do now. I know how to adapt. But I think the greatest point there is to we've talked earlier about being alone. And there's no need to be alone. Create your own support network. Don't be shy to talk to other people. A lot of folks may not immediately have the knowledge or the experience of having a concussion, but they may know somebody else. And in this particular case, this guy, he played hockey. He had been hit. He had a concussion. He was having headaches. And that's how it was resolved for him. And it worked out for me as well. So just don't try to solve it all on yourself. Include others around you because you'd be surprised at what information you may receive from having that conversation, whether it's you know, advice of who you can see or just some understanding and some empathy towards how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's some great advice. And it is really important to talk to others. That's why I actually started the podcast because my biggest problem was I felt like no one was going through what I was going through, especially when I was a teenager, because all of my friends that had got head injuries were fine two weeks later. So I didn't, it took me a long time to understand that I wasn't the only one going through it. Just I needed to talk to even more people than my small circle. But I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights on family and life post-concussion. Don't forget everyone, Karina and Rich's kids will be on the podcast next week to give their perspectives as well. Well, thank you very much, Bella. We truly appreciate you giving us this opportunity to share our experiences with you and your guests and your listeners. And thank you very much. Yes. Thank you, Bella. Has your life been affected by concussions? Join our podcast by getting in touch. Thank you so much for listening to the post-concussion podcast and be sure to help us educate the world about the reality of concussions by giving us a share. And to learn more, don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.